Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today, I will be joined by Mark Young for a special episode on student ministry. Mark Young serves as the student pastor at Swift Creek Baptist Church. Mark is currently pursuing a Ph.D. in preaching here at Southeastern, and he is one of our regular content contributors for our center. This episode was recorded over Zoom, so the quality may be a little different from what you're used to, but in no way detracts from the conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Pastor Matters. Mark, it's great to have you join today's conversation on student ministry. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Honored to be here. I'm really excited about today's discussion because for those who don't know, Mark is one of our regular content contributors to our website. Uh, I think you've written two articles so far, uh, both of which have been on uh, today's topic, and that's student ministry. Uh, The first one you wrote was the need for expository preaching in uh, student ministry. Uh, And then the one you wrote more more recently was uh, the importance of pursuing holiness uh, in youth ministry. Uh, and, and real quick, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I just want to encourage you to pause, uh, go to our website and read both of these, these articles because there really is some really good wisdom in them. And we're going to discuss uh, aspects of those, of those articles today. Uh, so to kick us off with these questions, I wanted to first ask why you wrote uh, an article on the need for expository preaching in, in student ministry. Uh, and why do you feel like expository preaching is so important uh, in student ministry? Yeah, well, it is important, I believe. Um, there just seems to be this massive lack of just solid biblical expositional preaching among student pastors and among student ministries, and that could be for a lot of reasons. Um, it could be It could be a lack of maybe a lack of confidence or gifting in the student pastor or lack of training on how to prepare and preach biblically faithful messages. That could, that could be one thing. Um, but I think a lot of it is just uh, youth ministry um, in general uh, seems to be very event driven um, with some, maybe some of the good youth ministries incorporating in some Bible studies or small groups into those events and events are certainly good, obviously, and you know I don't want to minimize those. They are absolutely necessary. Small groups, absolutely necessary. But in general, there's just a lack, and um, there's a lack of being fed from the shepherd that God has placed over students. You know, student ministers are shepherds before they are anything else. Their primary role, if you're a student pastor, your primary role is to be a pastor, and the pastor's role is to give themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer, Acts 6, 4 tells us. And so are we, are we ministering the word as student pastors to our students? Are we feeding the sheep? You know, we become like professional event planners rather than shepherds who feed their sheep. And so there is this, this kind of hole in student ministry for good expository preaching. And um, 
and I think it's so important to to have in your worship gatherings if you if you have worship gatherings as a student ministry and I realize not every student ministry has the ability to do their own worship gatherings but let's say you do and you have your own worship gathering um is the word of God central in your gathering you know are, are what do we say in our worship gatherings about the value we place on the word of God and I think that is why the need for expository preaching is so important is because it is the word of God that will change our students to be fully devoted followers of Jesus who joyfully follow him for life. Therefore, if you come into the gathering, your worship gathering as a student ministry, um, the word of God, if it's what's going to be the, the one that produces the change and transforms hearts to follow Jesus, then it needs to be rightly proclaimed. It needs to be rightly treasured and valued, and it needs to be rightly explained. It needs to be rightly applied through the gospel and all its implications in Christ so that our students will be changed by Christ in his word. And this only happens through faithful, biblical, Christ-centered um, exposition. So it, it just really comes down to what are we, what do we value in our student ministry? What are we building it on? Are we building it on the word of God, rightly taught, explained, and applied? Or are we building it on um, events, fun, hype, loud music, dark lights, you know, funny games? You know, um, and, 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 you know, don't get me wrong, all those things have their place. Um, but if, if our worship times, you know, our gathered times are primarily about those things, then our students won't be changed into the image of Christ like God calls them to be. And so I do think it's extremely important. And I think it's important to give ourselves to the faithful preparation of preaching expositionally through the word of God um, when we're gathered as a, a student ministry. No, that's very helpful. I, I agree with you. Uh, at one point in the article, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was uh, you said, if our teens are studying the Pythagorean theorem in school, they can hang with you as you preach expositionally through John, Ephesians, and Ruth. Uh, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before just how at times we can undervalue how much our students and uh, children in our churches can take, you know, um, I, you know, I think about my five-year-old right now who knows more Spanish than I do. <laughs> and, you know, whenever he does a Spanish prayer, I just have to say amen because I just, you know, and so our, our, our kids, our, our teens, they're able to take a lot more than we, than we give them credit for. And so I, that was one of the things I really appreciated about your article was, was it's a stewardship. It's a stewardship of the word of God and it's a stewardship of the, of the, the students that are in your care. That's Another right. thing that, that you did a really good job of was, is, was in both of your articles, was addressing some of the myths of youth ministry. Um, I know a lot of times, you know, I was a, a youth pastor for a number of years. Uh, the youth ministry can seem like it's a disconnected part of the church. Uh, and, and that was something I think you did a really good job of addressing in your article to know this isn't a separated thing. You know, we're not a glorified uh, daycare program, after-school program. Um, you know, we're here to help form and shape uh, teens uh, and teach them the Bible. And so I thought you did a really, really good job of that. Any Anything you want to say about that before we move on to the next question? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, when students come to our youth ministries, 
you know, they're looking for something to captivate them. Um, you know, they're teenagers, they're, they're hungry to be wowed. That's why they spend all their time on TikTok, you know, looking at video after video to wow them. And so when they come to your gathering or your events, that's, they, they're looking to be captivated and wowed and mesmerized by something. And one of the cultural pressures on that on a youth pastor that infiltrates really the world really infiltrates our thinking is that we have to then kind of almost out entertain the world in order to keep students. And so, and so we basically uh, water down the value of the gospel and in its place, we try to fill our, we try to fill our gatherings with um, things that will captivate them that aren't Jesus and aren't the gospel. So we'll, we'll try to make our gatherings, you know, very entertainment based. And uh, because we, we do undersell what will uh, captivate our students, what will keep them engaged, you know, what they will prize. And we undersell, we, we assume that Jesus isn't enough to captivate their attention. So we have to captivate their attention with something else, get them in the door with something awesome, you know, a big, a big event or, or, you know, you know, great lighting or something, you know, a, a really funny game and get them in the door. And then once they're in the door and we've captivated them with that, then we kind of sneak Jesus in the back door before they leave for, you know, 10 minutes. Now that we've got you now, the, now we'll do a 15 minute devotional before you leave. And that's just, it's just not a, a, not a healthy way to think, you know, we want, we want to show them and be completely honest with them in the gathering up front. You know, when visitors come to our gathering, I tell them, you know, if, if you're new with us, we're so glad you're here. This might be kind of weird for you, but here's what we're going to do for the next hour. We're going to sing praises to Jesus, and then we're going to sit and we're going to listen to the word of God for 30, 40 minutes, and then we're going to, we're going to pray and go home. You know, <laughs> just let them be totally upfront. This is what you're going to get, and the reason we do this for an hour is because this group absolutely treasures Jesus, and we think and we believe what the Bible says, that he really is the surpassing worth and that everything else is lost compared to him. And so we want to captivate them with Jesus. And as youth pastors, do we really believe that Jesus can captivate them? And it's through the preaching of the word of God, going back to what we were talking about earlier. It's through faithful exposition that we can show them the value and the worth and the supremacy of Jesus, that he's better than whatever kind of uh, entertainment the, the culture can give them. So That's really helpful. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, I'm talking about parents. So... Uh, youth pastors are not in and of themselves given the sole responsibility of making disciples with, uh, with the teens entrusted in their care. It's kind of a, a both and, right? Discipleship happens church and at home. So I, I would be curious um, if you had any, uh, you know, pointers, advice, any helps for how youth pastors can uh, develop relationships with their students' parents and do you think it's important to involve parents in youth ministry? Uh, and if so, what are some ways that this is done and why is this helpful? Yes, it's absolutely important. Um, you know, like you said just a minute ago, it is a both and. Uh, we're both uh, a part of the, the teenage discipleship, yet we know God has called the parents to be the primary disciple maker of their home. You know, Deuteronomy 6, very clear about that. Um, that the parents are leading them as they walk, as they uh, walk along the way, as they're in their homes, as they're on their table. You know, it's all about the ongoing discipleship of the home. That's the primary place where discipleship happens. Um, and ideally with Christian parents 
and um, you know because a kid can't be discipled to know Jesus at the home if his parents are not believers. So there's always exceptions, but ideally, um, in a Christian home, parents are the disciple makers primary. Yet there's still the task of discipleship through the local church, through the pastor to shepherd them. And so, what is our role? Our role would be to come alongside a parent and equip them, and equip their student, and equip. Uh, discipleship to happen at home. And so really, I think of like a, um, my wife ran track in college and I didn't run at all. So I would just go and observe. And she, when she would run around the track, I, I noticed that her coaches would run on the inside of the track. And when she would come around a corner, they would kind of run next to her on the inside of the track for just a little bit you know, clapping and cheering her on and cheering her on. And then they would stop and then they would let her keep running until she came back around again. As a youth pastor, I kind of feel like the coach on the inside of the track to a parent. You know, I come alongside them for just a short period. In my youth ministry, it's sixth grade to 12th grade. So I come alongside them for seven years of their teenagers, teenager's life. And I, I just basically encourage, 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 and help, help, help them disciple their student for lifelong faith in Jesus. You know, so yes, so we need to develop those relationships. And you asked about how to develop those relationships. I mean, the easiest and simplest way is to just, man, start calling dads and, and go to coffee with them, you know, breakfast or lunch or, you know, Panera or Starbucks, you know, whatever you need to do. Or, you know, we, I do a lot of lunches at Mission Barbecue, you know, whatever you got to do. Um, and just start building trust and building relationship with those dads. Um, you know, I asked, I asked, uh, you know, as a, as the youth pastor to your kids, how can I best shepherd them, you know, and just let them talk. And that helps me. And, and it helps me know how to minister to them. Well, um, and it lets me build that relationship. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a small group with some dads that are, are dads to our students. And that's my own personal small group. So I'm building relationships there as well. So I think as a youth pastor, be a member of your church, be in a small group and be in a small group with some with some of the dads and um, that will really help build uh, build those relationships as well and then all the time just be calling people you know working through the roster your membership directory of of your student families and calling those parents you know asking them how their their kids are doing their spiritual walks are doing how you can pray for them um, and then pray with them all the time as much as you can and um, I think those some of those things are really are really good and you know they seem almost simple but they're so necessary and to build that trust and relationship with those parents yeah that's that's helpful and, and a lot of that i mean you look at it and you're saying man that's that's practical that's what we should be doing you know we should be um reaching out to these parents on a, a regular basis and, and figuring out how we can not even just serve the kids individually but how can we serve the family uh, as well so definitely helpful Thousands of men and women serving Christ all over the world have found that a Southeastern education was exactly what God had in store to equip and train them for service. We're producing Great Commission-minded students who desire all people everywhere to glorify Christ. Preview Day is a unique opportunity to see firsthand what God is doing at Southeastern, hear from faculty and students, and fellowship with others just like you who are discerning God's call on their lives. Sit in on class lectures, tour the campus, meet professors, and have all your questions about life and learning at Southeastern answered. 
Our preview day will allow you to seek God's calling in your life. And whether he leads you to Southeastern or elsewhere, we will be thankful for your joining us. The cost for the day is minimal at only $20 per student. And the next opportunity to join us for a preview day is Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. You are a parent as well. Uh, you have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five kids. Uh, so I'd be curious to hear uh, just how being a father, uh, being a, you know on top of being a youth pastor, on top of being a PhD student, how how have these things uh, made you a better youth pastor? Uh, that's a good question. Yes, um, my kids are all small too. So you know I'm young. I'm still learning a lot in youth ministry. I'm still learning a lot about fatherhood, um, but my kids are are five, four, two, and ten month twins. So um, you know it's it's quite a journey. You know it's insane at home sometimes, but it's such a blessing, and um, and it does help. It does help uh, me minister to families and to students. Um, I think it helps me understand the challenges of feeling the burden of parenthood. I think more than anything that I would not understand as, um, as maybe a single man or even a married man with no kids. And that's not to take away from student pastors who don't have kids. I, absolutely, you can serve faithfully, um, either single or married with no kids. You know, let's, let's not miss that. But yeah, it's helped me be just understanding the burden of parenthood, um, the burden of discipling a family. So the being a primary disciple maker in my own home of my own kids, and the burden of having those discussions at home about Christ and about the gospel um, that I'm encouraging our families to have with their kids, all of those things, you know, I'm trying to do as well at my house with my uh, little, you know, hopeful disciples that we want to raise up, you know, in the Lord. And so it lets me, lets me understand, it helps me be relatable. And, um, and I do think it, it really does help me understand, you know, help me pastor well. So. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, you know, even now being a dad of not five, five kids, but two, um, and, and them getting to, uh, school age, finally, uh, it does stretch you. Um, but it also is such a joy and such a blessing. Uh, it's, it's one of the most cliche things probably, but it is still true. Nonetheless, that being a parent, is one of the hardest things, but one of the most rewarding things, uh, that you can do. So yes, uh, thanks for sharing, right. man. Uh, so it's been an incredibly difficult year uh, for children and teens uh, due to COVID um, past year, year and a half. Uh, there've been, there's been virtual learning. Uh, there's been uh, many of the social structures at school uh, have been removed, uh, especially early on in the pandemic. Uh, and, and many at church and school events were canceled. And so there have just been a lot of changes that have happened over the past year, a lot of difficulties, a lot of challenges. Uh, and I'm just curious, man, what, what are some of the challenges that you have faced over the past year from COVID uh, as you led your students? Well, the challenges kind of changed throughout the year, the last 12 months. You know, early on, it was all about managing the virtual component, you know, virtual small groups, virtual Sunday school, virtual messages, you know, not gathering together. You know, and we quickly found that that was unsustainable for us for teenagers after about two months. You know, it got to May and we basically were, were feeling the, 
the Zoom fatigue, I think they began to call it. So we started to feel that. And, um, you know, the, so that was kind of the early battles, trying to manage that. How do we, how do we keep kids engaged when we can't be together? Well, then that kind of changed, the, the difficulty kind of changed over time to then more of the, uh, the spiritual well-being, you know, due to anxiety, depression, and isolation, you know, and ministering and encouraging families in those spots that became really the pressing need of of our students and our families was just the strain on the home and being able to be an encourager and a minister and a discipler to and a pastor to these families you know calling them checking in praying trying to gather together you know working through that really became the challenge maybe more so than the masks or social distancing those are really just kind of bothers you know but they weren't, they weren't really the main, the main challenge, I think, um, you know, so, so we, we really became diligent to try to meet together as much as we could in person, as far as a student ministry goes. So, you know, from summer on, we began planning this, you know, trying to keep a, a relatively full schedule of good discipleship gatherings, either in homes or mostly in backyards or, uh, you know, you know, in garages with the door, you know, garage door open and, you know, creating spaces to be together in a way that was healthy. And um, just for our own mental well-being or spiritual well-being, that fellowship became so important. And that encouragement from other believers became so important for these students. And, um, you know, as much as we were able to gather together for worship inside, we did that. So we've been, you know, we've been meeting together for worship since, you know, last you know, early fall, August, September, something like that. And, um, but just trying to keep them together, trying to keep them, trying to give them opportunities to gather for discipleship, fellowship uh, around the word in a way that's healthy and, and fun and enjoyable and um, encouraging because that has helped tremendously as far as just their own spiritual well-being, that encouragement, just don't underestimate the power of that encouragement and being together in that community. Um, so, and just constantly checking in on parents and families, praying with them. Yeah, that's just been a, that's been our real pressing need, kind of just throughout sustaining this COVID mess, so. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are uh, for why we typically see such a drop-off in our churches uh, in regards specifically to teens after graduation. And after you answered that, maybe just providing a, a little bit of wisdom for how churches can do a better job reaching teens after high school. Uh, and what are some things they should avoid doing? I mean, your, your articles hit a little bit on this, uh, but would really love to just hear your thoughts on this. It could be a lot of reasons. Um, I think that in my context, I'm still learning about what those reasons are. And um, uh, I've been here for almost five years. And so um, as I learn and grow and kind of watch trends, it's interesting to kind of see how this plays out. But I think it's a lot of reasons. Um, I think the primary reason above all is that the teens that fall away from the church or even the faith has to do with just not being in a Christ-centered home. Or they're in a home where even if their parents are at the church, are claiming to be Christians, they're not um, centering their home around Christ um, where the Bible is read, the Bible is talked about, the family prays together outside of meals uh, and just grace, you know, saying grace before meals, but just 
there's no intentional prayer time um, um, where the family is not serving together, either serving the church together or even going on mission together locally or internationally. Um, Cause I think some of the stats, I remember Lifeway did a, a survey a couple years ago, or maybe that was at the beginning. Yeah. About one year ago near the beginning of COVID actually um, looking at some of the common threads of students that stay in the church after high school and the common threads of all those students that were different from the students that fell away were these things. It was in the home, the Bible was read and talked about, you know, the family prayed together, the family served together. Um, the family sang together, which is really interesting. You know, the family sang uh, hymns or worship songs together. And so when kids see that, um, that keeps them in lifelong faith beyond uh, 18 years old. And that keeps them serving in a church, um, even if they go away to college. Um, so while I don't think it's the only reason, I think it's the main reason. Um, that kids fall away it has to do with what the home was like. Uh, I grew up in, in um, well, I went to college in uh, Starkville, Mississippi at Mississippi State. And, um, you know, cultural Christianity is obviously massively prevalent there. And so you see a lot of this of, of students and teenagers who grew up in church only to fall away in college um, because, you know, Christ was kind of just an add-on or a uh, going to church was more of a social thing, social status thing, an expectation of what you did in the South, but the home wasn't really centered on, on Christ. So I think that's the main thing. I, I think a second reason, maybe not primary, but is when youth ministries are, what we were talking about earlier, when youth ministries, youth ministries are centered on entertainment and not the word and not the gospel, and there's not intentional disciple making and fulfilling the Great Commission, then what happens when the 18 year old is no longer in an environment of entertainment? What are they going to do? They're going to run to the next best entertainment when they get in college. And there is no more youth ministry entertainment. There's no more entertainment like that in a church for their age group now at college. So they're going to run to that kind of entertainment and they usually find it in all kinds of, you know, immorality and, and worldly things and, and uh, parties and whatnot. And, and they end up falling away. And then a cycle you kind of see is that once they get out of college and mature and they get young families as their own, then they think, okay, well, I need some more stability. My family needs a little bit more structure. So now I'm going to bring my kids to church. And now they're back in church, you know, as a 27 year old with two small children for the first time in, in almost a decade. And, um, and I think it's due to that, that void of the youth ministry was not centered on the word. It was not centered on Christ. It was centered on entertainment. And if you'll teach students that when they're growing up through the, through the youth ministry, if you will teach them that they are a church member, that they are at just as much a vital part of the body as anyone else in the church, and that you will help them serve the church while they're in, in your uh, youth ministry, serve the church, invest in the church, be involved in the discipling of other people in the church, uh, be mentored by someone older in the church, you know, go on mission with uh, church mission trips, you know, those kinds of things. If they feel like a vital part of the body, then when they go away, they will have a stronger desire to be involved in a local church like that, you know, but when you're siloed away in a youth ministry that really is siloed and you're 
you kind of do your own thing. It's, it's all very entertainment driven. You'll see that fall away. I think that's a, a very, uh, very realistic thing we see a lot. Yeah, and it's a two-way street. I mean, uh, making sure that the, the students, you know, kind of the, some of the things that you've just talked about, but also the church itself making an effort to be a part of these kids' lives too. Like, and I think the temptation a lot of times in churches is that the youth guy is the youth guy. Like he's the one that's going to be the one that's taking care and pouring into the life of these students. And it's like, well, no, they're part of the church. We're pouring into one another. Like this needs to be uh, kind of like what we were talking about with parent, the parents and, and the youth pastor. This needs to be all of us together collectively pouring into the lives of these students uh, and, and children. Yep, that's right. And, um, you know, I, you know, getting them set up with, with adults in the church to mentor them is, is uh, just really vital. I think um, we have several students, uh, some high school students that are on a leadership team that we have. They, they're kind of our leaders for discipleship and among our student ministry and serving. And, and they're all linked with another adult in the church for mentoring, a, an adult that they've chosen, but um, uh, they're all linked with a, a mentor. So they're getting poured into discipled. And then those students are then discipling other students in D groups outside of outside of our gatherings. And so that's, you know, that's keeping them in the life of the body and uh, that's going to help massively. And then I think when those, when those college students, uh, when those teenagers become college students, the more you can get those college students to come back and serve your student ministry, if they go away or if they're local, the more you can get them to serve the student ministry that they just came out of, um, that gives them a great sense of, of investment in the church and uh, a really a purpose and a, and a valued member as a church member, um, that, that really keeps them following Christ in college when they know that, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to now pour back into and disciple um, the students out of the youth ministry I just came from. It's really uh, quite an amazing grace of God to have students graduate and then come back and pour into those students, and um, God really uses that. Absolutely. Well, it's no secret that this question is going to come up because it's pastor matters and every single opportunity Ronjour or I get to ask a question about books. We're going to ask a question about books, right? What are some books you would recommend to any youth pastors listening to this episode right now? What are some books, whether they be in the youth ministry genre or not, that have had a big impact on uh, your, your, your ministry? I love this question. So yes, we always need to talk about books. You are right. Uh, one of the books that has helped me more than any other as just a youth pastor um, is Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry. Um, it's, it's got multiple contributors, but it's edited by Cameron Cole, John Nielsen. Um, it is incredibly valuable. It's really the only book purely on youth ministry I read when I started, um, when I became a youth pastor. And it's, it's, it's priceless, honestly. It tells you about Christ-centered small groups, and it argues for doing biblical exposition with your students, and uh, just a great, great resource, um, how to have God's heart, and um, you know, have, how to have a gospel culture, and developing leaders, and all these things, and centering your ministry on disciple-making. It's a great book, Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry. It's a Crossway book. I highly recommend it, um, and then honestly, some of the best resources for me have not been youth ministry books. They've been the Nine Marks Building Healthy Churches series, all the little color books. So the Evangelism one by Max Stiles, you know, the church membership one by 
Lehman, the the prayer about corporate prayer, the John O and um, the discipling book by Dever. And, and that whole little series is so valuable because while they're not talking about youth ministry, that's how you, those principles are how you have a healthy church and a healthy youth ministry. And so um, treating them like a church member, treating, you know, train them to do evangelism, you know, what does missions look like and discipling look like and in your youth ministry. So I highly recommend reading that little color series, incredibly good and useful. Um, you know, all the books are incredible. There's not a bad one. I'm excited to read uh, Merker's new one on corporate worship that just came out. And um, so those have been great resources. I think, I think Galaty's book growing up on, on D groups and disciple groups outside of your, your gatherings is incredibly helpful for um, even if you don't implement the exact strategy in the book, it's incredibly helpful for learning how to, how to have a, a ministry that is centered on discipleship and how to really make discipleship work in, in a strategy that's either like that or similar. And, um, and you can incorporate a lot of those principles into, into your youth ministry. So that's been a really helpful one for me. We're taking our student leaders, our high school student leadership team, um, 12 students, we're taking them through growing up right now and, and they're running their own D groups through it. So super helpful. Um, I think some those are kind of the main ones. I think ones that are related to more teenagers or, or resources for equipping teenagers. Um, you know, I could probably list off a bunch, but I, I'll just list off maybe just one or two. But there's a new book out, relatively new, by Crosswick on anxiety and depression. And it's called Why Am I Feeling Like This by David Murray. Um, there's a teenage book. There's also a parent book that says, Why Is My Teenager Feeling Like This? Um, it's a great resource for uh, parents and students, especially during the COVID season, walking through anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, you know, isolation, all those things. Incredibly valuable resource. We've given away lots of copies of both of those to parents and students. And it's a good resource for discipleship. It's a good resource for encouraging and equipping your parents. Um, so that'd be one. Um, and then a book I've given away quite a bit for students is um, Jaquel Crow's book, uh, This Changes Everything. It's a, uh, a book on how the gospel transforms your teen years. And uh, we've given that out quite a bit to uh, students as well. And so that's probably a good list for now. Those are really helpful. I always joke around that those nine marks books are like collecting infinity stones. Yeah, they are. Not only the <laughs> content, are. the yeah. content of the books is not only good, but it is a sight to see on a bookshelf. So it is, and you got to set them up just right. You know, you got to spiral yeah. them a little bit, you know, so that all the colors, you know, stand up really nice. And yeah, it, it makes a nice little, it makes your office look good, you know, when you have yeah, them we, all. We so. need to get Lehman to release uh, like the official ordering of the books when it comes to the colors. Right, right. What is the correct, correct set to, to put them in? You know, yeah. It's always Brother, interesting to see which color they're going to do next. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for this uh, for this week, brother. I'm so thankful for this discussion. So so happy that uh, we were able to sit down and, and talk about this. And again, if you if you haven't read either of these articles uh, written by Mark, I uh, encourage you to do that. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's just two, uh, with many more to come. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Brandon. Um, always a pleasure to to sit around and talk about youth ministry and and uh, exposition and preaching and et cetera. And so thankful to be here. Thanks for having me.
And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this conversation helpful in any way, please consider leaving us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation.